Cold Stove Podcast NRD. NHL free agency is less than 24 hours away tomorrow at noon Eastern time. That is uh, 11 a.m. Central in the future home of the Phoenix, excuse me, the Austin Coyotes. NRD, what's going on with you? I am excited. This is our Stanley Cup final, Game 7, if you will, the night before free agency opens up. I do want to say, before we get going into this, congrats on unofficially one trip around the sun for you and I. We started this last year, this time of year, NHL Trade Melt Live. We had Pete Blackburn, DJ Beam, we had a morning skate, Keddy, we had a big cast on, then the free agency live, and now we're here, one year later, doing the Cold Stove Pod. It's been a blast, man. Looking forward one to keeping year. this going. That's insane. Ever that one year since we uh, we kicked this whole thing off, and NRD kind of him and I kicked the tires, if you will, after that free agency, and we're like, all right, we could do something here. Sure enough, Cold Stove Podcast was born. Speaking of free agency, NRD, the Sabers have kicked off re-signing their UFAs, bringing back Vinny Hinostroza, uh, back at one year, one point seven million dollars. I for one, love this. Absolutely love it. Role player guy. Um, probably will be sort of a 13th forward on this team moving forward if they have Paterka and Quinn. But perfect perfect insurance if if Quinn or J.J. Paterka don't stick right away, if they need some more time in Rochester, etc. I expect them both to make the team out of camp. But Vinny Hunnestros is perfect, perfect role player for this. Also a, a good vibes guy in that locker room, which he was one of the kind of the jokesters more of a leader on that team. Um, I just hope Mark Pizik would be the last UFA for the Sabres that I want them to re-sign. So we'll see. What do you think of Vinny Hinnestroza back in a Sabre sweater? I like Vinny. I think he's going to get more opportunity than you think because we know Buffalo for all their faults. Maybe Quinn and Paterka don't get the full-time roles just yet. Um, So it's good to have that insurance. It's good to have the depth. And I like Vinny Hinnestroza. And he's an asset now on a one-year, $1.7 million deal could recruit something at the deadline if things go south for buffalo absolutely perfect deadline guy mm-hmm. like saber you know i i think the saber is going to outperform expectations i don't know if that means playoffs this year i'd put them you know like a high 80s point total they're going to have like an 84 and a half over under and i'm going to take the over so no playoffs like what do they say 93 94 sort of that playoff point total average so you're um, playing for like 86 I'm th- I'm thinking an 86 or so with like some awful losing streak in February. Like <laughs> they lose like nine out of eleven just to just to tank any playoff stuff, which would be which would line up perfect with the deadline. So there we go. Um, speaking of the Sabers in RD, uh, Brady Scoops, Brett, what was it called? Merriman uh, Mortars? Is that what Merriman you're Mortars? Yeah, Merriman Mortars. Brett Not bombs. A- eh, no, because NRD bought Merriman Mortar. I'm fine with Merriman Mortar. Okay. Well, Merriman Mortar today. I tweeted out. Uh, well, I guess, excuse me, David Padnotta tweeted out from the fourth period. Uh, on the McKenzie Weider trade chatter, there is some. Basically, he knows about it, um, has one year left, and Florida is trying to extend Jonathan Huberdeau. Matt Weider is going to uh, get a lot more money than he's making currently after next year. They're going to, basically, it comes down to not being able to afford uh, McKenzie Weider, especially with Sergei Bobrovsky on that roster. I I've talked to some people in uh, in Buffalo and then around Buffalo. I guess is a good way to put it. Uh, they they've made the uh, they've made a phone call. So I don't know if they'll win the bidding. Mackenzie Weider is a an Ottawa guy at heart. 
And they're involved. And they are certainly involved as well. There's interest. Elliot reported on it. Um, I, th- I think other people have reported on it as well. I just I can't. I'm, I'm trying to take all the internet and put it together. But I know Buffalo has made that phone call. I know Buffalo has the pieces to do it. I don't know anything about return, but I know there's interest on there. And I would imagine because Florida's trying to save money, that's not like being cheap, saving money. They're trying to just massage their cap situation, that it would be a pitch and prospect sort of deal. I don't think that would be like the Sam Reinhardt going back type of thing. Um, So maybe a Ryan Johnson um, maybe they take Bobrovsky in Buffalo and the Panthers retain some salary. I know we talked about this last week. You put that to me and I said, I don't think it fits because I was sort of thinking purely as a Bobrovsky to Buffalo kind of plug and play. But if he's a, excuse me, if it's a Bobrovsky cup camp, oh boy, cap dump. Uh, and Uyghur is sort of the sweetener, and there's some pitch going back. I think it could be a win-win for both teams. That Florida clears up a bunch of space, resigns Giroux, um, has a goalie in Spencer Knight who takes over the number one spot. Bobrovsky gets new life in Buffalo. He's their starter. Craig Anderson backs up. Yuka Pekalukin um, goes back to Rochester, gets a full season, has to be healthy. Uh, Florida retains some salary. Buffalo gets Matt Uyghur to pair with Owen Power on the right side. Even though they, people are like, oh, he plays left. Yeah, if Aaron, if Aaron Ekblad's on the right, guess where you're going to play? The left. So, yeah, no big deal there. Um, solidifies Buffalo's top four. Solidifies their goaltending situation. Uh, and give a pick back. I, I don't even care if it's a first. Buffalo has one first and three seconds uh, next year's draft to give to Florida, right? Um, and I'm, I'm very happy with that return, giving up a first because – yeah, you know, at, at a certain point, you need to turn this into not maybe not win now, but the future has to be planned out, and it and it is at this point. Like, how many more draft picks do you need to stuff this absolutely loaded prospect pool with? So you eventually have that, to compete, and that's where Anaheim right. is too. You talk about the assets. I mean, Anaheim as well has three second round picks, um, and yet talk about two teams in Anaheim and Buffalo who are about to turn the page. Maybe you can argue who's a little bit more ahead than the other terms of readiness but both teams are looking to turn that page rather soon and uh with those three second round picks no you're right you can't stack the prospect pool forever we talked about it last week last week like you mentioned i do really like bobrovsky in buffalo i wonder about bobrovsky potentially in washington although all signs point to darcy kemper being their guy um we'll see what goes on there if he does sign in washington kemper i'm referring to then obviously that puts an end to the bobrovsky thing but if he doesn't, maybe they're waiting around on a Bobrovsky trade at 50%. Not a terrible deal for a team like Washington who can't mm-hmm. afford it. Even better for a team like Buffalo who can really afford it and helps them hit the floor. Exactly. And Buffalo, like, like look, the the scary thing with that would be Bobrovsky's contract being so high for so much longer, right? That would That's what would scare Buffalo away unless – Florida's really retaining, which so that that's the whole hitch. If if Bobrovsky was a two two or three more years in this deal, it makes a lot more sense for a Buffalo. But there's so much of that contract left, so that's the big wrench in this, and probably not well, you know why something's not done right this second. The other side um, of what Buffalo is working on today, aside from Henestrozo, is there was uh, James Van Riemsdyk smoke this morning um, coming out of the Philly camp now. It sounds like from Ant Sanfilippo 
sounds like that has quieted down as the afternoon has worn on. Um, what do you know about that, NRD? But that'll, before I'll, I'll get to my second point after you kind of report on that real quick. Yeah, so Elliot had mentioned Buffalo, Arizona, and Seattle being three teams involved in taking JVR. We talked about this for the past couple of weeks now. Um, I did hop into a uh, Twitter space last night, if you guys were following me and happen to see that in there with Phil Maroon, who's an awesome dude and a friend of the show. And we were talking about JVR. I Right now, the reason why they're leaning not towards moving him, I think teams, and I don't know a 100% for certain, but I'm led to believe that teams are looking at that Florida 2024 first-round pick as a sweetener that they acquired in the Giroud deal, meaning Philly, um, as a sweetener for JVR's contract. He can provide, and as Elliot mentioned, he put up like, what, 20 goals this year, which isn't a bad thing and can help an Arizona or a Buffalo, but it's an albatross of a contract, and they're going to want a sweetener to take that on if it's the 2024 first. I think Chuck Fletcher is balking at that right now. Things could change in the next 12 hours before we hit free agency because right now the Flyers don't have the cap room to acquire Johnny Gaudreau or to sign Johnny Gaudreau. If they make the JVR move, they will. And that so that leads me to this point is credit to a Kevin Adams. If the Sabres heat on JVR in Philly was, was real – Kevin Adams held on the sweetener that Chuck Fletcher ultimately did not want to give up, so I'm, I'm happy for that. But that quiets things down because if Adams and the Buffalo holds firm on a JVR sweetener, JVR doesn't go from Philly to Buffalo, which means that JVR is still in Philly, which means that Philly does not have the room to sign a Goudreau, which means that the market all of a sudden, New Jersey can go to Goudreau and say, well, you know, I, I don't have to bid against Phil anymore. And then... Calgary says, well, now I have one less team in the match. So there's a lot of like moving parts. It's there's very a lot of moving parts, but it's all like one what you know, one domino gets taken away and all of a sudden the floodgates open. And it's then, extremely fluid. It, like you right. said, it's very fluid and I, everybody wants to know where Gaudreau is going to end up and everybody thinks, oh, this team's a favorite based on what this team is doing. Johnny Gaudreau has not agreed to it a deal anywhere. In fact, he's turned down a fuck ton of money from Calgary. So Correct. nothing yeah. is done Till it's done. And this all, to your point, you know, we're talking about the Sabres right now, as you mentioned, it ties into everything. So I'm, you know, a lot of things could happen in the next 12 hours before we hit, you know, the overnight when GMs actually have to sleep um, and then wake up tomorrow morning. And it could be a different situation for Gaudreau, for JVR, for the Buffalo Sabres, who could potentially be acquiring one or two guys as a cap dump. You know, a lot of fluid things this time of year. Yeah. Keep in mind with the Sabres too. And this is just sort of like all the all the stuff you hear and read and listen to. It's the Sabers need so many more guys to get to the cap floor. It's insane. Like I don't care if Victor Olofsson's making six million dollars a year when he gets resigned, which they are close on. They got Hino at one point seven, but they God NRD they have fifty one million dollars and fifty two million dollars in cap pit right now. Like they need guys. And I don't, UPL is going to sign for 900 and they're going to do that. But like, it's, it's dangerous right now. Maybe Victor Olofsson signs for four or five and gets them, but they're still going to need a guy or two or three. Yeah, absolutely. And so a guy like obviously JVR just makes that happen. Mackenzie Weeder makes that happen. Um, and then lastly, on the, I guess on the Sabres, if they don't go to the Bobrovsky route in a Mackenzie Weeder trade or whatever, it, you're going to need a guy maybe like James Reimer has been talked about or Aiden Hill, one of the two San Jose goalies. We'll talk about the goalie market in a little bit, but that's where Buffalo's kind of kind of looking. 
right now. Yeah, and then they have guys in the wings. Wins. Exactly. We have we know they have goalies waiting in the wings, and we know that their goalies are. Um, I should say fifty-two goalie. years old. Well, yeah, but their goalie in the wings is Devin Levi. Uh, him and Eric Portillo are going to be at Sabres development camp this week. I almost, almost pulled the trigger on making a trip up there, but I will be in Denver playing golf instead. So, tomato, not a bad tomato. trade off. Yeah. Um, so I was I was happy to see that both Portillo and Eric or Ryan Johnson are going to be in in Dev Camp this week. Where their futures are after Dev Camp and or this summer or I guess next season is very much up in the air. So uh, Levi has basically been given the suite. Said you, you know, you're going to have the keys to this franchise. UPL hasn't taken anything. Bobrovsky scares me with the contract length. If they were to do something there, I, I, I still don't love that. But I, if that makes Mackenzie Weaver happen, fine. We'll figure something out. But Levi's the guy, and Portillo knows that, and I think Portillo is going to want to be traded, or, or just we'll hit the market next year as a free agent. Or no, did he Which, sign his ELC? No, he no, no. Right? He yeah, doesn't. so so yeah, that's so. so he is he has one more year. Same mm-hmm. with Ryan Johnson, which is why, if you know they both like Ryan Johnson again, all him as well, looking at a logjam of of Sabers defensemen, especially young, really talented Sabers defensemen. Not even including Lawrence Pilot, who's coming back from the KHL, probably going to sign with the Sabers, who was back in like Phil Housley days, a very good defenseman for them. And got sick of the the uh, Jason Botterell log jam he created in front of him. Said, "Fuck this! I'm going to the KHL." Now he's coming back. So add him to the Sabers lineup, and you have Ryan Johnson, a former first round pick. Like, where do I fit in? Rightly so, he doesn't fit under the power play because you have Owen Power, Rasmus Dahlin running the power play for the next I don't know, fifteen years 15. potentially. Easily. So he's like, what? Well, what am I going to do? Which I, I don't blame him. I, I'd like to see more like compete out of him and say, well, I can take Samuelson's spot or I can take Weider's spot or I can take uh, Jacob Bryson's. Like, but then do you want to be a third pair D for your whole life? I don't know. So we'll see what happens there. But I, w- I would expect Portillo and Ryan Johnson to be, if not Buffalo Sabres, very good trade pieces, especially for this time of year when you're looking at RFA deals and you're saying, okay, well, I'd like to get this guy signed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So... We shall see. That's that's a, a lot of Buffalo Sabres talk at the start of the podcast, and, and I apologize, NRD. No, you don't need to apologize. I think anybody not from Buffalo is just starting to tune in. I think they tuned you out. No offense. <laughs> I listen to you. I'm here with you. But we're going to get into the rest of the free agency market right now. But I always love the Buffalo talk, especially from you, Brett. Thank you. Nobody more much. passionate um, in the Buffalo sport base, except you don't like – Bone-in wings, which I think loses you some points. Oh, uh, hold on a second. It's not that I don't like... Oh, never mind. I won't get into it. Read the article. Um, <laughs> I wrote it uh, very, very, uh, very nicely. Let's see. Let's see. Let's go to... Uh, let's go to some of the RFAs that have been unqualified up to this point, NRD. Now, they don't become free agents tomorrow, correct? They... The unqualified RFAs? Yes. I believe they are free agents. Are they free agents tomorrow? Okay, excuse me. Hold on. Let me rephrase. We could even take this out. But unqualified RFAs become free agents tomorrow. Qualified RFAs don't become free agents tomorrow, but they're not necessarily – their deals are not done. Correct. Qualified RFAs deals are not done. They can be offer sheeted. 
Okay. Good. So sorry for, for that, uh, for that wild tangent there, but a couple guys on this list that I don't think many people expected guys like Sonny Milano, Danton Heinen, Ryan Donato. Uh, it sounds like a, an Italian restaurant. Anybody that really surprised you and, and any idea or any rumblings were, oh shit, something's going to happen now with these guys, whether it's a trade or, or somebody's going to come take a, a stab at them. In the unqualified, in the non-qualified RFAs, you look at two guys, Dylan Strom's the obvious one. He did really, really well in the second half of the season, Chicago under Derek King, played on the same line as Patrick Kane, contributed in that lineup. I would say he had a great run in the final three or four months of that season. And then Sonny Milano, who did the same with Trevor Zegers in Anaheim. I mean, the two of them were inseparable on that line together. Obviously, you know, the the world-famous alley-oop, the dish again, whatever you want to call it, Sonny Milano, the the scorer and the recipient of that pass. But fast player, love the way he plays the game. Potential there for him to land, you know, you look at a team like the New York Rangers, and Larry Brooks mentioned this on Twitter the other day as a team that might look into Sonny Milano, the Rangers, but they went out at the deadline. They acquired Frankie Vitrano and, and Tyler Mott, two guys who play with speed, plays in the bottom six of your team, I look at a guy like Sonny Milano who could be that same guy for a Colorado team that might have the cap space now with Kadri out for a Carolina team that can always add speed and some offense in that bottom six. You know, Florida, who's going to have cap space. There's options for Sonny Milano. I really like him. Well, potentially have the cap (laughs) space, right? They have, I think Florida, just as an aside really quick, I think Florida would like to do a lot of things. I think they'd like to be involved in Vladi Tarasenko. I think they'd really, really, really like to be involved in Evgeny Malkin. I just, they don't have the cap space similar to Philly and Gaudreau. They just can't do it right now. As Does that, well, well, what about Giroux in Florida then? Well, signing? they don't really have the money to resign Giroux as is either. I think there's easier path to bring back Claude Giroux in terms of what Giroux is going to get on the open market versus Evgeny Malkin and Tarasenko's contract. I think Giroux is going to come in on a little less AAV as to those okay. two guys. So they can stretch it, go over that 10% threshold in the uh the offseason, maybe, you know, hate to say it, but Brofsky happens to get an injury. He's on LTIR. You know, we have a solution there. They trade Mackenzie Weger. So Florida has options. I know they want to be involved in a lot of things, but back to the original point, Sonny Milano is a guy who I think slots in perfectly on any contender's bottom six and can contribute and can score goals, plays the game very fast. He also famously uh, made the Sabres look really dumb when he batted in uh, Trevor Zedris flip over the net. Yeah, the, the alley-oop, dish again. That was against the, the Buffalo Sabres. Again. It was. Uh, it, it certainly was. I was watching that live. John Bucci-Gross was on the call and basically was speechless. Were you speechless too? Oh, yeah. I, okay. I was just like, I was, uh, yep, that, yep, that's about right. That's about right. Um, other guys in that list, Andre Kasha, Hayden Fleury, Evgeny Svechnikov. I mean, there's there's names on this list, right, that, that are not nobodies, that are young guys that are going to get going to get paid there's a lot of teams the biggest problem that we're seeing right now obviously is the the cap crunch that flat cap basically commands in a in a market like this now another aside here nrd this cap in two or three years i mean the nhl is going to regain their their the the debt's going to be paid in a year yeah i mean we're going to see this cap go up 10 million bucks easily I'd argue in the next two, three years, like it's going to be, it's 82.5, which is an increase of 1 million from last year. This year's 82.5. 
Next year, I would assume maybe 83, 84, 5, right in there. And then the year after that, it's going to go up 90 plus. Which is why a team like the New York Islanders, who are a little crunched right now, are involved on a guy like Johnny Gaudreau or Nazem Kadri. Because if they trade a Josh Bailey, or if not, and they can just figure out how to get through the next year or two, that end right. of that contract, they're not that it might not be, you know, a contract that in hindsight, wish we didn't pay Johnny Gaudreau $10 because he's not producing at the same level, you know, seven years from now. But at the same time, they'll have more space. It'll be more palatable to have that deal on the book. So I think a lot of teams are in that position where you go to cap friendly, you look at their figures right now, but yet you hear their names connected to some of these bigger fish on the market because their GMs are smart. They know if we could just get through these next two years, it's affordable in the long run. Like we're not worried about three or four or five, six years from now because the cap's going to be at 92 and a half to 94 million. It's dumb. We can stomach that. It's just right now in this flat cap era. I don't agree with it. It's a story for a different time. I don't know why the league committed to not raising the salary cap when this year was this year was a record year in revenue for the National Hockey League. Record revenue, and just it was so short sighted to come out and say we're not raising it. You know, it's gonna we're five years down the road before we even think of this thing, and just just such a short sighted conservative view that I was just it it pissed me off then and and really pisses me off now. But another thing about this cap NRD is that when it goes up to 90 plus, in two, call it two years, I guarantee two years from now, we're looking at a crazy salary cap increase. Absolutely. That means the floor's going up too. So teams are going to have to spend funny money. I mean, this is there's just no doubt about it. Am I wrong there? No, you're 100% right. I mean, So even if the team doesn't feel comfortable, say the Coyotes aren't ready, like they got enough problems in their fucking shitbag arena. Sorry, that was mean. I stay I stand by it, but like that's a- you know. ASU is not a bad place. They'll have fun. If it's going up to 92, they're not going to keep it at 61 or 62 on the floor end. So even if a company or a company, a uh, a team doesn't want to pay 90 million dollars because they're like, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> they're still going to have to pay somebody, you know, guys 10 more million dollars. It's crazy. It's crazy the amount of, of money that's coming into this league. It's, it's a great thing. And I'm glad for the league, and I'm, it should be happening. But there's going to be some just absolute slush fund money here. That if you're a free agent in the summer of 24, summer of 25, that's what I would be structuring all my deals today towards. If I'm Victor Olofsson, give me three years in Buffalo, and then I hit UFA, I gave up one year of UFA, and I hit that slushy market when I'm going to make six and a half. And it's going to be probably less of a cap hit percentage than five and a half now. You know, like that's just how it's going to work. Yeah. Sorry, no, I, I rant over on the on the lead in Arizona. I started it. I started the, uh, the salary cap rant. I'll take that one on the chin. Uh, um, does that mean if you're like the New York Rangers – and you're going to have to sign all these guys, and you're kind of getting the strategy built out as we speak. I'd almost rather be the Rangers than the Islanders because the Islanders are paying a bunch of guys $5 million for the next six years. So they're going to be at the floor. They're going to be able to go sign Connor McDavid if they want to. But the Rangers are kind of having guys hit their window, hit their RFA years, hit their UFA years in a right spot in a couple of years. Well, yeah, they're in a good – that's why you hear – I mean – you know, I had talked about this when I did the Blue Crew pod earlier in this week. Shout out to Johnny Laz and those guys and Cody. They're they're great guys. And 
because they're a Rangers podcast. We were talking specifically specifically about their situation. They've been linked to pretty much everybody and no one at the same time. <laughs> you know, every name has been thrown around. The New York Rangers are involved. It's hard to pinpoint what Chris Jury wants to do. What Chris Jury wants to do. So I'm not even going to waste the breath. I do know from what I heard, from what it's worth, that you know, and, and Sarah Valley reported this as well today, is that Kadri is a guy that Jury's infatuated with. He he wants Nazem Kadri. He wants a chance there. The reason why you hear the Rangers connected is because of the reasons you just mentioned. We have the ability to bridge guys like Keandre Miller and Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco, who, whether he gets traded or not, is only going to be coming in at around $2 million for this season um, on a one-year or two-year bridge deal. We can bridge these guys till the salary cap increases. So, yes, the figure doesn't look great today for a Nazem Kadri, but you clear out Nemeth off the books. They didn't buy him out today, but maybe that's because Chris Jury has a deal lined up to trade him to, I don't know, Chicago or somewhere. You know, they can be involved. So to your point, it's a great win. You know, there is great potential for the Rangers to be active. Same with the Islanders, though. I mean, you look at Josh Bailey, who's available and can clear some cap. And then, and, and then sorry, let me catch my thought here. Anthony Bavillier, another guy who's making four and a half over the next couple of seasons, who potentially can clear some money off the books for the Islanders. So they have the opportunity as well, in a different way, to be active tomorrow. And they are going to be. Who is goalie number two for the New York Rangers next year? No one major. I mean, you're looking at that Keith Kincaid, Thomas Grice. Hey, don't don't give me a that Keith Kincaid. Great dude, Keith. I Kincaid. love. Listen, don't don't even <laughs> insinuate. I, guy. I love Keith Kincaid. Big Northeast guy. I'm a big fan of his. He played really well when he played up with the Rangers in the past couple of years. But you're not looking at a guy that's making over one and a half to two million next year because that was the point of getting rid of Georgiev, right? His qualifying offer was two point five. And it was too much for the team to stomach. So it's going to be some guy off the the bottom tier of payment. You know, Martin Jones, I think I forgot who it was that mentioned it in the New York Rangers kind of beat writing sphere. Somebody mentioned Martin Jones was a guy that they liked last season and uh, is a free agent again. So there's potential for the Rangers at the number two goalie spot. My only Martin Jones take is I'm afraid if the Sabres make him their number one, if Martin Jones is like the guy at the end of the summer, I will be very, uh, very, very annoyed. Put it that way. Very concerned with the direction of that team. Um, what else is going on around the league? NRD? JT Miller creating some uh, some waves in the last couple of days. I mean, maybe not so much him, but uh, he is the number one target on Frank Saravalli's big board uh, as far as trade targets go. What's uh, what's going on in the JT Miller sphere that you know just seems to be never ending on the rumblings? So there. We're a podcast that has been, I think we're the, the anti JT Miller trade podcast, right? I, I think if you listen to what's out there and what's been reported, I'd say we've been the most, um, not against, I don't want to say against because it, it was sourced with information, but I think what I had heard was very different from what some others were hearing throughout the trade JT Miller sweepstakes at the deadline and then at the draft. You know, from from Elliot, who there's no reason to doubt Elliot. It looked like things were getting done between Vancouver and the New York Islanders. And then reports surfaced that Vancouver was not going to let the Islanders reach out and discuss an extension with JT Miller until after the deal was completed. It's not a Lou Lamorello move. He put the kibosh on that very quickly. And now where do we stand with JT Miller? I mean, the Rangers, I still don't see it. That's all I'll say there. The Washington Capitals opportunity there to make a trade i mean they have they have hendrix lapierre they have mcmichael they have a you know they have a couple of picks in the stockpile 
But do they want Evgeny Malkin to run it with Alex Ovechkin? Like, they have options. I know Malkin and Ovechkin weren't the best of friends at times, and, you know, they publicly had their little spat. But I think Washington has options there to fill. Nicholas Backstrom's going to be on LTIR, might not come back to the playoffs of next year, so they have the room to get it done. The Devils, what what do they do if they strike out on Johnny Gaudreau, who they're very involved in? You know, I don't. A lot, of, a lot of people like to say, well, I haven't heard it from this guy, so the Devils must not be in it. They're they're in it. The Devils can spend money, so that's not an issue to them. So JT Miller's got options. I still think, though, he ends up in training camp like our good friend of the show, Rick Dollywall up in Vancouver said, that he potentially see him in camp with the Canucks. I see that as well, too. I don't see a JT Miller move getting done before the start of next season. If you're Vancouver, too, the JT Miller's just such a... Such a presence, you know, uh, such a talented player that I'm sure he's tired of his name being out there literally every day, you know. So he's like, he, at this point, he's got to be like, shit or get off the pot. I want to go to the cottage. Yeah, you, yeah. It's just like Brock Besser got, you know, he got what he needed. So it's just, it, it's unfortunate for him that he's been on this list for so long. Same thing with Chikrin. Like, he's kind of cooled off and... No matter who you talk to, it's hot and cold on Chikrin, depending on the day. But those two poor, like, poor guys, you know, think of it from a player and a personal level. My God, is it got to be annoying to sit there and every single day see on Twitter and, and, and Sportsnet, TSN, yeah. right? Um, speaking of free agents, Hall of Famer Scotty Bowman announces he is no longer working for the Blackhawks as a senior advisor of hockey operations. But he says he wants to stay in the game, NRD. EA Sports and Scotty Bowman, they're both in the game in the still. Game. Oh, yeah. Any, any Scotty Bowman uh, smoke where he's going in already? I don't have any Scotty Bowman smoke, but Scotty's been in the news lately with that ESPN Plus documentary Unrivaled. Obviously a great coach of the Detroit Red, Red Wings during their, during their run in the 90s. You know, things didn't work out for his son, uh, Stan, but, you know. True. Good Scotty for Scotty Bowman. Good for Scotty, right? <laughs> Legendary coach. Speaking of older folks, uh, Brent Burns and Ooh. Jeff Petrie, two very, uh, very senior veteran defensemen. Solid probably transition. going, Yeah, probably going to be on new teams next year. Anything in the veteran defensive market that, uh, you know, maybe not a UFA per se, like Brent Burns to Dallas popping up a lot. Everybody's saying because he has a residence in Texas, it might make sense for him. Uh, anything on those two, or I guess the three older folks on San Jose, that's Brent Burns. Mark Edouard Lassic and uh, Mr. Carlson. Yeah. So Mike Greer, who was the new general manager there in, in San Jose, was very blunt in his press conference, said this wasn't going to be easy and they're going to have to make some decisions and maybe take the lumps of the previous contracts that they have signed on the chin um, going forward to do this thing the right way. Part of that is cutting bait with Brent Burns and, and Flasic and Eric Carlson, like you mentioned. Elliot was the one who kind of started that whole Dallas and Brent Burns deal. I can see it because we know Brent Burns, besides the resident in Dallas, we know Dallas, I should say. When Klingberg was rumored to be on the block at the deadline last year, there was noise from different directions about a Jeff Petrie, John Klingberg swap. So we know that Dallas is not opposed to adding those guys on the back end of their career because they're looking for veteran help on that blue line. They see an opportunity with the roster they have to keep competing, even though they made the switch from bonus to Pete DeBoer, Pete DeBoer, I should say, behind the bench. 
So I could see it from a make sense standpoint, you know, hashtag make sense or favorite thing to do on the show. I don't have more to add in terms of information. That's all Elliot, but looking at what Dallas tried to do with the deadline or potentially was interested in doing doesn't surprise me, especially a 50% salary routine. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, the other thing, well, a train of thought absolutely lost. I, I guess Klingberg was kind of where I was going with that. It doesn't appear that he's ever going to play another game in a Dallas sweater at this point. No, correct. Um, you want to talk goalies? Let's talk goalie market. Goalie if market. If you can't tell, is, wait really quick. If you can't tell, we're leading up to the big fish. We know there's a JG that you want to talk about. We're getting there. If you're what, listening. What are, what's the big fish? Johnny Goudreau. We're going to get there. Oh, we're going to talk to Joe right now then. Do you want? Nope. Let's keep him waiting a little bit longer. Goalie market. Okay. Free agency is, we'll go goalie market and then free agency. How's that? Love it. Okay. So if you're in the goalie, if you're in the market for a goalie, like many teams are, it appears to be drying up quickly in one sense. Guys are retiring. I'll have Braden, or, uh, well, not retiring, but Braden Holby's probably done playing. Let's put it that way. Um, guys like uh, Sam Sonoff in Washington are getting not qualified. So that you have some room there. Marc-Andre Fleury signing. So if you're Cam Talbot, what does that mean for you for the next couple of years? If you're Alex Nedeljkovic and your team brings in Vili Husso, what does that mean for you? So everybody's saying the goalie market's drying up, like I just said, but I don't, I don't think it is as much as people say it is. And if you're a guy like Alex Nedeljkovic, for example, Detroit, and you have Sebastian Kosa coming up behind you, why would you not be open to a trade to a team that needs goalie help? You would Especially be. at a very reasonable cap hit. You would be. So now I took a lot of flack with the tweet that I had after the Red Wings acquired Billy Huso and saying that I just, it's a good deal, right? Steve Y didn't really spend a lot. I like Billy Huso, but I do like Alex Nedeljkovic and I got beat up to say the least by the Detroit Red Wings fans saying no Casa isn't ready. It gives him an opportunity to have a full year in Grand Rapids and that Nedeljkovic isn't as good as you think he is NRD. You know, Stevie Y knows best. I'm not one to question Eiserman and his moves. So I'm not, you know, going to start to do that right now. But yeah, I mean, if you're Nadelkovich, you're going to be a free agent after next year. You're going to have plenty of opportunity out there because the goalie carousel is ever so always spinning. Um, but to your point there, I don't know if it's dried up. Like people are looking when they say the goalie market's dried up. I think they're what's there now at the Georgiev to, you know, the avalanche and what we have out there. Plus what we think might happen. Darcy Kemper in Washington and Jack Campbell in Edmonton at around five and a half for Campbell in Edmonton and, and, you know, Darcy Kemper, maybe a little bit less, maybe around five to 5.25 in Washington. So if those two happen, yeah, the goalie market for this year in terms of starters is more or less dried up, but you have Bobrovsky there that we mentioned before. You have the Delkovich who's potential chip now down the line, depending on how Billy Huso does, depending how, depending on how long it takes Sebastian Cosa to get ready in Detroit and Grand Rapids with the AHL team. So I don't know, man. It, it just seems to me that this the goaltending market is dried out. Talk is coming from the standpoint of we kind of have a feeling what's going to happen once 12.01 hits on the clock tomorrow, and that's mm-hmm. Kemper in Washington and Jack Campbell in Edmonton. Wait, Jack Campbell in Edmonton? Oh, yeah. Excuse me. I, I, I'm so, if, if you can't tell, I'm trying to follow this Mackenzie Weeger I I've, been trying to, I've been doing it all day. I am, fu- pardon my French, Francais. I'm fucking. It's, Brett I'm wants close, to break. I'm a scoop, close folks. to this one. Brett I'm wants to break the scoop. Brett wants so to. I am going back and forth all across 
countries and states right now dialing this SOB in. Matt Weider, you're the man. And fucking, you know who's going to break it? Is Craig Reve is going to break it. Whenever anything happens, I love Craig and I love After the Whistle and I love Petey, but he's going to get the scoop before me. And when I'm so freaking close to this thing, it's going to be disappointing. It is. It's going to be disappointing. But I love Craig and shouts to him for inevitably breaking this scoop when it does. Um, Not because of the relation, because Craig's a good reporter, right? Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Let me throw some water on a goalie that will, it doesn't, I don't speak in absolutes here, especially around free agency season. But uh, Semyon Varlamov, NRD, on the island does not appear to be being traded. Correct. Um, that from a, from a guy that I've talked to, you know, outside of the organization, it doesn't sound like Lou is too keen on letting Varlamov go. Would you agree? Why would you be too keen, especially with the uncertainty and the, you know, we have to talk about it. The Russian uncertainty with Sorokin. I know he did play for Siska Moscow, the same team that uh, Fedotov, the Russian goalie that signed with the Flyers and then didn't sign with the Flyers and signed with the, you know, Siberian Air Force Base team, you know, oh to say the least. So there's there's question marks there. And, and you, not for nothing, Semyon Varlamov and, and Ilya Sorokin have been a really good tandem for the New York Islanders over the past couple of years. Why would you mess with that now, especially if you do believe that last year was an anomaly and that you can compete this year? We know that you need goaltending to compete. All it takes is for one of them to get injured and go down for the whole thing to, you know, kind of your season to blow up again. We look at perfect example, the Dallas Stars last year. with their four goalies that we talked about many times in this podcast. Hey, they got four goaltenders that very quickly turned into like one and a half goalies by the end of the year. Ottinger was the, you know, the clear leader. On the pl- on the podium, yeah, he turned into one and a half by himself. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's kind of hope he might never play hockey game again, according to Frank Saravalli. So, you know, it's always good to have the luxury of the goaltenders. Now, if the Islanders are going to go after Johnny Gaudreau and they desperately need cap space, different story because we're all almost making four and a half million. Boom! There you go. Um, there you have it on those guys, and then there was some some Ilya Samsonov talk. He was not qualified by the Washington Capitals. Uh, some some there's some Buffalo talk there as well. There's kind of you know anytime you have a, a starting or a one A one B type of, type of goaltender in the mix anywhere and then is unqualified, you kind of wonder well what's going on there. Maybe some off the ice stuff there. I've heard. Um, I won't get into anything more than that, but maybe not comfortable signing him to a long term deal. I guess is is all I'll kind of go with there. All right, NRD, your Super Bowl. Let's talk Johnny Goudreau, shall we? Let's go. Of course, the free agent coming out of Calgary, if you're from Canada, Calgary, if you're from the U.S. And uh, Johnny Goudreau was offered eight years, $10 million a year, um, the Jack Eichel deal, I guess. If you were in Buffalo a couple of years, that's what he got before being traded to the Vegas Golden Knights. Reports kind of all over the map here on what's going on. The front runners appear to be one Calgary, one B, Philadelphia, and one C, New Jersey. Would you concur at this point, NRD, uh, at three o'clock central on July twelfth? Throw the New York Islanders in the mix. They deserve to be interesting. In the mix. Seattle Any Rangers, Rangers potential. No, 
I don't okay. buy it at all. Kadri's their guy, and they're they're not going to go forward with a Goudreau thing. Kadri, I think the Rangers will be involved in Kadri. They'll be involved in Evgeny Malk until the end. Um, Paul Stastny is one of the new reports that are popping up. But like, they can I can I do my Arturi Lekkinen of the year? Yeah, go for it. I, whoever signs Paul Stastny wins the NHL uh, wins the Stanley Cup next year. That you know what? Book it, book it. <laughs> I'm going to give you a chance to redo this one in October. Uh, give me a just give me a deadline chance. Whoever signs blank. Yeah, we're gonna run, run this back. Deadline. I don't know if you're gonna be able to strike gold twice there, pal, with Paul Stastny. And I like Paul um, Stastny, but I don't know if you're gonna hit it hit it back to back. But no, the, the Rangers are not involved in Gaudreau. But I think it's fair to throw the Islanders in. I think Seattle crack the Seattle Kraken have ten, you know easily ten million dollars to to hand over to Johnny Gaudreau if they wanted to do that. There are teams that are going to be in the mix. Carolina is another team that. They have space, right? They, they obviously need to fill out a bunch of spots on that roster because they're going to be losing Trocheck, They're going to be losing Nino Niederreiter. But they could be in the mix too as a dark horse. But I don't even know if it's fair at this point to put Calgary in the mix. If, if it's true, which you have zero reason to doubt the great Frank Saravalli, that Johnny Gaudreau turned down eight by upwards of $10 million. He's not getting $80 million from anybody else out there because in order for a team to go 80 at 70 at seven years... You'd have to be over 11 and a half. So, Correct. So that means that wherever he goes is going to be potentially more of a lifestyle situation than a purely money situation. Correct. And that makes you think the Northeast, which is the Philadelphia Flyers, the New Jersey Devils, the New York Islanders, maybe the Carolina Hurricanes, like I said, get in the mix, shots to rear ads. I know that was his bold prediction for free agency, which I don't hate the idea of it either. But, you know, the big thing that everybody wants to know right now is, Who's the front runner for Gaudreau? You know, the, the Flyers obviously don't have the cap space as is, as things stand right now to, to bring in Johnny Gaudreau. We know, as we said at the jump here, Chuck Fletcher is still working on that and trying as best he can to get in the mix because we know that Gaudreau would love to play in home and south in from the South Jersey, would love to play home in Philly. The Devils, hard to count the Devils out of it. And the Islanders are lurking. I know David Pagnotta tweeted that yesterday. People like... It, see, the thing is like... I. There's nothing necessarily new to say here in that I haven't already tweeted in the last 24 hours. It's just that people like to think that, oh, NRD or Frank or Elliot tweeted about the Islanders and Gaudreau. That means the Islanders are going to sign Gaudreau and that New Jersey's not involved anymore and Philly's not. All these teams are involved in lurking, so it's hard to pick a favorite at this point. But consider this a time to reiterate that these teams that we have mentioned are still involved. I do think New Jersey, if I was a betting man, I'd pick New Jersey. I think they have a fantastic shot at signing him. Does it that require New Jersey to move guys out like Jesper Bratt or Pavel Zaka or uh, you know like what what does that require any adjacent moves on New Jersey's part? Maybe Blackwood or is that can can they make that happen and kind of stand pat with their team as is? Um, they can do it. I mean, the Devils have like what twenty one million dollars in cap space. They As of easily, right now, they have 26. They still get a sign. Boatquist and Broad and Miles Wood. Zaka. Um, Zaka, Subban, I think, Probably not being to respond. Pavel Colin Zaka. White, or, excuse me, Colton White. Pavel Zaka potentially on the move. So take him off, whatever he's going to make, maybe four and a half to five million. Say the Devils have 12 million to work with after everybody's in the fold. They can do it. I mean, they could bring back Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, they can bring in Johnny Gaudreau without a doubt. And that's why I still think it's hard to... It's hard to dispute the fact that Johnny Gaudreau playing on the wing of Jack Hughes isn't appealing to a kid that grew up, yes, a Flyers fan, but in South Jersey nonetheless, and his home or as close to home as he can be there in Newark. So, you know, I kind of, 
if I was a betting man, and, I, and this is strictly NRD bets, I like the value of the Devils. What are they, plus 600 for Johnny Gaudreau as their next team? So, you know, but it doesn't, just me saying that, I want to reiterate, doesn't mean the Flyers are out. And that's not a hedge or anything like that. That's just, I think the Devils have a lot of money to spend. Tom Fitzgerald can spend it. So that one you kind of imagine goes, like, I put it this way, do you think he signs at 12.01 tomorrow? Or is that one that's going to be kind of... I don't know if it's going to. I don't know if it's going to take a couple of days. I think you'll hear pretty shortly. Then again, Dougie Hamilton. Remember last year when the Devils spent a lot of money? Dougie Hamilton. That took all day, right? We knew at twelve oh one that Dougie Hamilton and the Devils were a match, but that thing didn't Mm -hmm. really get done until much later on in the day. So maybe it plays out this similarly. I mean, you know, I just I feel bad, right? Because like I said, I go through mentions, and everybody seems to think that when when I or others say one way about Gaudreau, it means that their team is out. No team's out of it. Nothing's a done deal yet. Everything's very fluid. I just think that with the money and the fit and Jack Hughes there and looking for guys who could play with Jack Hughes, the Devils did a great job taking Simon uh, Nemec in the draft, the defenseman for the future, that the Devils have full um, authority to go spend and get a guy like Johnny Gaudreau if he's available tomorrow. Keep an eye out on Johnny Watch. I guess the one thing we could say is if, if it's past noon tomorrow, would you consider Calgary out? Yeah. I mean, with the money that that has been offered to him, I'd have a hard time. because. So so also at midnight tonight, the eight year thing expires for Gaudreau. He can't sign an eight year deal after midnight tonight with with Calgary. Oh, so there's a a 12 hour like. Yeah. So like lose their advantage. So like even if Calgary signs to my understanding, that could be totally wrong. But I believe I think it was Frank Saravalli. And I know this. I'm just going to check, you know live live on air right now great great podcasting i'm just gonna confirm <laughs> with what frank said I, but yeah it sounds no it, it sounds right i believe i've heard this before so. correct so so after a period they can't yeah so in 48 hours he tweeted this uh yesterday at noon all right so it starts tomorrow at noon once free agency opens calgary can't bring johnny Gaudreau back on an eight-year deal even if they resign him so yeah safe to say if he hits the market it's not going to take less than what he was offered on that eight-year contract so it's uh, look at the Metro. I mean, I, there's so many different ways you could say the same crap and I'm trying to <laughs> fill air here, but look at the Metro for Johnny Gaudreau. Let's move on. Uh, we'll go down the list here. Nazem Kadri. You said you mentioned New York. He's, you know, obviously sort of going to be a coveted free agent across the board. John Klingberg. I think the smoke sort of points to Seattle in that situation. Gino Malkin, uh, again, with the Rangers. Andrew Kopp, Claude Giroux, Andre Burakovsky. Where where do you feel this crop of free agents, which well, I wouldn't call it a legendary crop of, of FAs, but when you add in some of the unqualified RFAs, all of a sudden you have a, a, a you know game-changing crop of players available in an environment that's tough with with the, the flat cap. Where do you... Uh, I guess what what are the vibes right now, NRD? To borrow Donnie Granado, what are the vibes right now across the maybe not the main guys of this class? So everybody's talking about Ryan Strom and the Detroit Red Wings. Mm-hmm. I wonder about Andrew Kopp and the Detroit Red Wings. Michigan kid, it's going to come in at the same number, presumably around that six million dollar range as Ryan Strom. Stevie Y always seems to be a guy that zags when everybody's zigging. And Andrew Kopp is that type of guy to me. He could play the center position just like Strom. I know a lot of speculation was there with Strom Detroit, but I just wonder Andrew Kopp, and I wanted to get that off my chest before we get into it. 
Kadri, the Rangers, Kadri, the Islanders, Kadri, the Washington Capitals. They have let me give you let me give you a name. Minnesota. You know, they got rid of Can they afford him? Probably not. Probably not. They got rid of Fiala because they couldn't afford Fiala, and Kadri's gonna come in at a very similar number. If Minnesota can make something happen, would would Billy Guerin not be the perfect Nazem Kadri GM? Perfect Nazem Kadri GM. It starts with Cam Talbot. I mean, they can clear a little bit of space up if they can get rid of Cam, Ta- Cam Talbot, which Billy Guerin is in no desire to do right now. He loves that goaltending ta- tandem. Talbot camp, I don't know if they love it as much as Billy Guerin does, and that's the issue there. Gino Malkin, are you surprised with the player ask being in the sevens average annual value and the team ask being in the sixes average annual value are you surprised that didn't get done one and two does that ricard raquel signing slash extension happen basically what i'm trying to say with that happening does that spell it's not going to happen in pittsburgh um so a lot of the Pittsburgh guys are saying that that's not the case and that Ron Hextall is still trying to make it happen and he can't move guys out. He's got Pedersen on the blue line, John Marino. He's got options to, to make the cap work. You know, Elliot, I, I really liked Elliot's article this morning. He had a good line in there about Malkin. Maybe just, maybe they were closer and they were getting closer as the days went on. But something perturbed Evgeny Malkin. You could say whatever you want about, you know, whether Malkin's handling this the right way. Pittsburgh fans will say he's not. Other fans will say he is. But something pissed him off to the point where he's like, hey, I'm a free agent. I have this opportunity in front of me to hear from other teams for the first time in my career. Even if Pittsburgh is where I end up back with my buddies and Sidney Crosby and Chris Letang, why not take that chance to hear what other teams have to offer me? Why not hear if a Florida can get involved in a, in a tax-free state, go play with Sergei Bobrovsky, a friend of mine, down there, the New York Rangers, a team that's going to have a chance to compete for a Stanley Cup and needs a second-line second center. Washington Capitals with Alex Ovechkin, like I mentioned before. Hey, potentially out west, the LA Kings, maybe not so much, but the Anaheim Ducks. And they're going to need a second-line center with Ryan Getzloff out of the figure now and retiring. So they're, with Evgeny Malkin, I think it's that situation where Maybe the door isn't closed and the story isn't written on Evgeny Malkin, the Pittsburgh Penguin, but it got to a point where he's like, I'm going to test the market. I have every right to do so. And nothing has really piqued my interest from the Pittsburgh side of offers to this point. And you know what? Good for him. Good for him. Because a couple of cups, he's at the point, you know, where he's he's ready for uh, some some golf, some sunshine, maybe hanging with like playing with his buddies, whether they're Russian or not. I think he's kind of, you know, when when Pittsburgh is not going to give him everything he wanted, said, okay, no no hard feelings. You know, I'm I'm just going to go enjoy the last couple of years of my career. And I think that he's perfectly, you know, inclined to do so. I get the I get the you know, Penguins fans aren't going to be like thrilled by that. Um and trying to keep that core together for however long to to keep the old flame alive type of thing with Crosby and whatever. But now you have Raquel, you have Jake Gensel, who's going to be a superstar if he's not already, right? I, I just think it's 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 kind of a good time for both parties. Correct. I agree with that. And and then you get Latane done, so you kind of you do bring back some of that nostalgia, some of that like Pittsburgh penguin blood. And Malkin's gonna go have fun somewhere. 
and he's earned the right to do so. I think that's speaking the of uh, speaking of earning the right to do whatever they want. David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron, all signs pointing to being Boston Bruins again. NRD, what do you think of what's going on in Boston? I think that there was a problem, and his name is Bruce Cassidy. Whether anybody wants to admit it or not, Krejci comes back from the Czech Republic, and Bergeron's back in for another year. So, you know, maybe the speculation was correct, and that Bruce Cassidy was an issue in that locker, maybe more than we had earlier thought. If both these guys are like, Hey, Cassidy's out. I'm all in now to return. But it's going to be a quiet offseason for the Boston Bruins, in my opinion, if they're bringing those two guys back. Maybe a Vinny Trocek, but maybe not. Yeah, Vinny Trocek, doesn't he, doesn't he seem like a perfect, you know, we talk about fits, we talk about things that make sense. Uh, feels feels perfect in that role. Um, wherever wherever it may be, you know, they've, they've never had the strongest. Once you know he left... You know where Trocek the second line got. Sorry, you know where Trocek peaks peaks my interest. Where's that? Colorado is a Nazem Kadri replacement. I mean, Colorado Vinny Trocek. That's just load up the. You know, how, while we're at it, how about Edmonton? Fuck, Vander Kane replacement. Because guess who's having a normal day in the uh, Kane household? Not his wife. Or ex-wife. Not ex-wife. Not Anna Kane. I'll tell you that much. Um. Just real quick on that. She is basically posting that he's going to sign uh, with a Florida team. Or excuse me. The a, LA a, team. A, an LA team. Based on her Instagram stories right now. Because he wants to, quote, lie all over court documents, end quote, and cannot do so in Canada. Um, the story is several dozen stories long. So if you want to go through those and get some inside info, that's a good place to start. But... We'll see what happens with Evander Kane. The Pagnotta reported a couple minutes ago that um, he has not met with Oil and Oilers' representation today at all. No, so, and I don't. That's one hundred percent true, and I don't think he's going to end up back at Edmonton either. So they need a winger for Connor McDavid. You name it. Trocheck, Milano. How about a, maybe a Detroit Phillips Adina, perhaps. Larkin appeared on some boards. I don't think Larkin's going to be leaving Detroit. Is my my sense in that point? Would you agree? Um, I don't. Why would you get rid of him? I think he's a great asset at the deadline. Teams are going to be calling. Shoot, I think he's. I think he's a great asset for the future there. Well, no, depends, right? He's the captain of the team. But if Stevie Y finally wants to go in a different direction and end that era. Um, he's a great option at the deadline. I think it could bring back some assets for Stevie Y that he doesn't have to necessarily make that decision right now. That'd be crazy to me. That that feels like he's sort of led the led the charge on the rebuild, and they're finally getting ready to take that step. And I don't know if the sum of the parts for for Dylan Larkin would equal the whole Dylan Larkin, if that makes sense. And they got rid of my favorite player in the world, Andreas Athanasiu, a couple of years ago. Yep, they did dumb move. Dumb. He is a. He's a. Is he a UFA? RFA? Is he a Brett Merriman All Star? Is the better question. Yes, he absolutely is. He might be the first line winger on the Brett Merriman All Star team. Him and Jesper Brat. Good radio here. I'm looking at LA's uh, situation. 
Where the fuck are the... Oh, boy. Here we go. Atanasiu is a UFA. Okay. Interesting. Bring him to he Buffalo. Might be, uh, make, make Brett happy. Bring him to Buffalo. No, oh, he would hate Buffalo. He, he's a Montreal kid, but um, I don't think he's... He doesn't seem like much of a cold-weather guy. He really, really enjoyed his time in L.A. Um, NRD, before we wrap up, that's kind of what anything else on free agency or trade targets, et cetera, that you want to get out in the open before maybe we, we don't talk until next week. Well, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say we won't talk until next week. I think that, uh, obviously you you'll hear from me on Twitter in the moment and we'll hear from you as well, Brett. I think that, uh, you know, as a little treat, if you made it to this point in the podcast and you happen to pop into that Twitter space as we did last night, a live kind of chat room. We might, you and I might do something like that tonight as well as things change in the next, you know, eight hours or so before free agency happens tomorrow. And you never know what we can put together to react in a couple of minutes to, to some of the signings tomorrow. So it might not be the last time you hear from us in the next couple of weeks. It is Definitely easier than be. ever to do so. Um, three things before we get going. One, I need your instant reaction. Chicago Blackhawks seem to be on the Connor Bedard bandwagon more than any team in the lead right now. True or false? 100% true. I don't think they want a sad, goal right? next year. You know what? Sad, but true, to quote um, Metallica. Sad, but true. Like, it, it needed to happen. They needed to. They obviously went through a lot this year in that organization. I think it's a good, I think it's a good thing stinks for the fans but i think in in the long run it'll be a good thing that they chose this year to hey let's let's end this chapter of the organization Connor bedard's there next year we have an opportunity to really start fresh if you're gonna end that chapter does that mean kane and taves goes with it i don't know about uh about jonathan taves but i think kane goes with it i don't think kane goes with it yet there's like some facebook post that went out there that like Chicago Sports Radio said that Kane's going to request a trade on Wednesday and it's going to be to the Rangers. I don't believe that. It's one of those weird things that like I could see it like eventually happening, right? Like Kane wants to play in a big market. The Rangers make a ton of sense. I don't think that iteration of whatever that Facebook rumor is is true, but maybe it happens down the line. Development camps taking place this week, NRD. Do you like to pay attention to these or do, are these just things to get excited about in three years? I'm. I'm a development camp guy. I like seeing what's going on there. I think it's cool when you get like, not necessarily the top 10 picks in the draft, but like somebody's kid that's like yeah. in camp and it's like, holy shit, fucking Marek Zidlicki's kid is in some is in Minnesota's development camp. I'm not saying he is, but like, holy shit, you know, that guy from that era. I think that's more fun to me with the development camps than anything else. You know what's a popular time for is, oh, like Cole Caulfield's brother, Brock, is going to Sabres development camp. And so-and-so's brother Jesper is Brock, going to this Jesper, and that. Jesper Bratt's brother no. is in New Jersey camp. Is he really? Yeah. Well, if he plays anything like his brother, I'll, I'll take him on uh, my team any day of the week. Notably absent, though, uh, you know, things obviously happening in the world. The Russians are, are absent pretty much across the league. There's a couple here and there. But a lot of Russian players not making it to development camps, which it's too bad. Um, I don't think those kids are at fault for anything going on in the world. But I'd like to see them here sooner than later to participate in stuff like that. Uh, 
Lastly, NRD, before we get out of here, the British Open, a.k.a. the Open Championship is this weekend. Is NRD Bets doing anything this week? Are you, uh, you busy in the lab under the desk? NRD Bets, so... Our golf, you and I should start like a golf handicapping business as a side hustle from this podcast because we've been vastly successful in the last three majors. Xander Shoffley. That's where you're on. I hit, I hit, well, I hit last week. Well, you did hit last week, but I'm talking about the majors. Like, we were both on Willie Z. Oh, I know we're hot. We were both on Fitz. Um, going back to the Masters, we had Scotty Scheffler. So we're batting 1,000 right now. Maybe we lose this one, but I'm on Tyrrell Hatton. I got him at plus 3,300. Um, and that was a few weeks ago. I believe from what you told me before we went on air, his odds have actually gotten more valuable. I think he's like plus 4,000 now. Yes, I have Tyrrell Hatton this week uh, in my my pool of guys. I think I did I did seven this week, which is kind of my – you know, Which is seven, how you, you say Seven's a lucky number. Golf, yeah. Yeah, and you bet you sprinkle a little across the board uh, getting progressive. Like you don't just bet the top seven guys and try to do it that way. You, you kind of sprinkle throughout the odds pool. Uh, but Hatton is in my seven at plus 4,000, along with Cam Smith. I have Sam Burns in there. Shoffley is part of that. Uh, Max Homa. And then my chalky guy of the week, Jordan Spieth. There you go. Looked pretty good last week. I'm, I'm hopping on the Spieth roller coaster Do we like plus 1,700. Do we like Tiger Woods? To, uh, I like him to make the cut, obviously. Yeah, he the only problem with making the cut, he was like minus 250 on my book to make the cut. Yeah, because... And I was like, oh, it just what, seems like a lot to, to get anything. What about a Tiger Top 25? I mean, 25? I agree with it, but uh, it just seems seems deep. What about a Tiger Top 25? Tiger Top 20? <sighs> you know, if you're going to do Tiger Top 20, you might as well just do them to win, right? Like, no, because not necessarily. If Tiger's, if, Tiger's, if Tiger's like T17 on Saturday afternoon, backed like five or six shots... He, like, Tom Brady does this, and Rodgers, they just unlocked something wild in their brain where pain doesn't exist, and the focus is supernatural, right? And people in front, imagine a guy three shots in front, like Mito Pereira, who melted down on the 18th hole of the last time he played a major. If Mito Pereira is in front of Tiger by three shots, he's going to shoot 78 on Sunday because he's going to, he's going to, Feel it behind. Like, imagine the roars coming from behind him when Tiger birdies two and four, and he's on six, like plus one for the day. He's like, "Fuck, I'm so fucked." I just so have a feeling. That's, that's I just idea. have a I hunch. just think if he's if he's anywhere near the lead, he unlocks something, and I would rather bet him outright than than T twenty. I just have a hunch, only because we, you know, everybody wanted to see Tiger succeed at Augusta. I think that was too close to the injury. And I think Augusta is a tough, I mean, not I think, I know Augusta is an extremely tough terrain to walk. A little bit more flat out there on the old course of St. Andrews. And he's had just as much success in St. Andrews as he has in Augusta to some degree. So don't count out Tiger Woods. He's feeling good. He was going after Live Golf this morning in his press conference. Yeah, anytime you get Tiger smiling and joking. and Yeah. He's, he's you know. Am I get? I'm seeing your face change as I'm talking this. I think I, folks, I just talked Brett into placing a wager on Tiger Woods to win the. Uh, it has been placed. There you go. It has been placed. NRD. That's going to do it for us today. Uh, anything else before we bounce? Nope. Like I said, keep an eye out. Maybe we'll do something live tonight on Twitter or uh, or tomorrow. Um, just a brief little thing to touch base with you guys. As always, we appreciate the support. I do want to see more five star reviews, though. I mean, any star reviews, preferably five. Those are the good ones. Um, but appreciate 
the uh, the followers and the crowd as always. And I'm not leaving Twitter. I love it. Yeah, I would love to. Uh, would love to get on some sort of space tonight. Get on the space maybe tomorrow as the clock strikes midnight, if you will, midday. Midday. Um, and we'll go from there. NRD, where can the people find you? They can find me on Twitter at NHL Rumors Daily. The only place I'm at, don't be fooled on Instagram or anywhere else. And I'm not leaving Twitter. So I was going to say, they certainly can't find you in person. So Twitter, you're, you're going to have to make do. And Cold Stove Pod. We are at Cold Stove Pod uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Keep an eye out for more stuff coming from there. I am Brett Merriman at Schmerriman on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, keep an eye out this afternoon for hopefully me breaking the trade that Craig Reve is going to break. So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> there it is. Even if it is Ottawa. Uh, Adam. Thank you on the ones and twos, and we'll see you guys next week. See you.